Hello, and welcome to the Cash News Podcast, informative conversations about all things currency and cash. We'll share insights on the issues affecting the world of cash today, like cash security, payments technology, and the cash supply chain. Your hosts, Tom Meehan and Sean Ferrari, hope to inform industry professionals and support better cash security and management by sharing the latest information on trends, strategies, and technology. This is the Cash News Podcast. Now, here's Tom and Sean. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Cash News Podcast. I don't know what episode we're at because I am out and about, and so is Sean. So a little bit different today. Sean's driving. I'm in a hotel. Uh, We have a special guest that we'll get to in a minute who I think is in his office and enjoying being stationary. As we always commit to, we want to keep these regular. So next episode, Sean's actually in the Philippines. You'll see him walking around. So we're going to do some live taping next week at SCTA. So uh, we want to keep consistent and, and get through. Sean, what what's going on in your world before we introduce our guest? No, as you say, you know, we're out and about today, traveling a bunch past couple weeks and up in the future coming weeks, as, as Tom was saying. So we look forward to seeing everybody out at the various conferences and events really getting to be that fall crazy event season. So everybody hang in there. But the good news with that is we'll have a lot of new information and a lot of presentations to update on. And kind of leading into that, I would say that one of the folks we're going to spend some time with at the coin conference in Amsterdam in a couple of weeks, I'll be hosting a panel there, a different panel, but a panel nonetheless, but someone else speaking there is our good friend, Scott, who's on Global Coin Solutions. So, Scott, hello. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners' audience, tell everybody what you do, and then we'll, we'll just get right into the crux of the conversation. Sounds good. My company is Global Coin Solutions. We've been around since February of 2015. And as I like to say, we're changing the world one cent at a time. We do that by enabling charities to collect cash donations in any currency. It sounds a little strange, especially in this day and age when when crypto is the currency that everybody's talking about, but we allow charities to collect cash in any currency. Strangely, it's something that if you go to the UK, virtually every charity there does it, and surprisingly has been doing it for decades and decades. I think it started back in the 80s, but it's not something we do in the US or Canada. So we're trying to change that. For the listener who hasn't, I know you've been at our events before and you've gone through some of these coin donations, but it's it's literally what it sounds like. People can drop off currency from any country, from any country in like a charity donation box, and you guys handle the processing of that, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. In fact, it doesn't even matter whether the currency is current or if it's, you know, we know currency changes year over year, decade over decade, uh, different countries, uh, their economies change, the governments change. The currency changes. Even currency that's out of circulation still has value for the charitable program. You know, there's a lot of people out there that actually want to get their hands on currency and just keep it because they're collectors. There's no value to it per se, just, you know, nominal, you know, buy five pieces for, for a quarter kind of thing. But yeah, we, we do accept every, every currency. And one very key component of what we do is it's completely manual. I started the company with the intention of helping as many charities as possible. But the second part of that is we're putting people to work. I know that there's a lot of hardware manufacturers. I've had a couple of discussions with a few of them. They think there's a solution that's hardware, but there really isn't. So, you know, at the end of the day, the more charities we're helping, 
the more money gets raised and the more people it takes to do the work. So it's good work all around. Could you just give like a real life scenario? And I think when I met you years ago was the point, right? I think it was the plane, right? Am I making that up? That the, the yep. collection. So could you just walk the, the listeners? Because I think it was very foreign to me when you mentioned <laughs> it. And I'm like, wow, that's a no brainer. Like it makes perfect sense. So using that example, like what would a, a listener, where would they see this happening for real in North America? In North America, there's, I'm going to use pre-COVID information, but hopefully all of them come back. Uh, in North America, there were four airlines that had year-round programs. So in the U.S., uh, UNICEF USA is partnered with American Airlines. So if you're on an international flight to or from the U.S. on American Airlines, there's a good chance that there's a uh, what they call a, a champion for children on the flight, and they'll walk up and they'll put on a video. They'll make an announcement on the PA. They'll walk up and down with a, with a coin bag and ask you to donate whatever you have. And that doesn't preclude people donating domestic currency. A lot of people donate American. A lot of people donate Canadian. We see currencies literally from around the world. In some cases, I actually have to go to a map to try and find them because they're so small. It is crazy. In Canada, Air Canada, Air Transat, and uh, Sunwing all have their own programs that they operate. That's one of the things we are trying to change is in North America, to make this not just an exclusive to the airline industry, as you said, Tom, it is a natural place for that to happen because the airline is the one moving the people with the money and they've got a captured audience. It's not like you can just walk away from them. So that's a natural. The next step in that, in that natural phase, I guess, it would be an airport. We have several airports in Canada that do it. There's very, very few airports in the U.S. that have any kind of program. But what, what we've been trying to do is bring this to just your regular charity on the ground, whether they're you know a small local food bank or they're a national charity that everybody recognizes their name. It doesn't matter. And then the reason for that is because there's so much foreign currency sitting out there in homes, in businesses, just doing nothing collecting dust. So just the, the kind of question that I would like to ask, and we haven't seen each other since probably a year before COVID, you know, COVID for whatever, you know, depends on who you are and what you ask is obviously put a strain on the supply chain around coin. And Sean often cracks me to say that, you know, we're, is it really a shortage? Is it a supply chain disrupt? Whatever it is, we know there's a challenge with coin today. What have you seen? Because you have a different lens than I think anybody we talk to around coin, whether it be domestic or foreign, where most of our guests have a lens that's somewhat myopic, right? They're a carrier, they're a bank, and they have really their version where you are a little bit different because your stake is in where coin is coming from the end user. So what have you seen? What has COVID done? What are some of the things that you're seeing today? It's not necessarily post-COVID, but you know, I think we're post-pandemic, right? We're probably in an endemic now. And so what are you seeing and, and what can you tell the listeners about that? Most of our business was coming through the airline industry. And we all know the impact that, you know, any, anything that actually literally shuts down flights around the world is, is, is insane. But that's had a big impact because the airlines, the staff on the, on, the, on the planes, they've all had more important things to worry about than collecting a few cents here and there for charity, regardless of the worth of the charity. So we've seen a we've seen a, a very dramatic decrease in in all those donations coming through, 
one thing that's really uh, fascinating is that we have we have through the pandemic connected with other organizations in different parts of the world, and the amount of coin that is out there is I mean it's staggering. At the beginning of the pandemic, uh, I had a company out of Tokyo contact me, and they've got kiosks throughout Japan where they provide exchange for 10 different currencies in banknotes and five different currencies in coin. And they had an accumulation of a couple of years of U.S. coin that they were sitting on. Things were, were ticking along. Everything was going great. And then the pandemic came and shut things down. Now they're sitting on all this coin. They're not seeing their normal stream of income coming in. And it almost became a panic situation where they needed to find a way to repatriate all that U.S. coin. So we had a container come from Tokyo to Toronto before it made its way to the U.S. So that kind of thing has happened where, where companies are looking to to figure out how to essentially monetize it in this case, because they are, they're just a for-profit corporation. But again, during the pandemic, we've connected with other organizations that are similar to ours in that they deal with charities and, and other parts and where they are operate. And we've processed container after container after container of both US and Canadian coin coming from different parts of the world. It's crazy. I think the coin circulation challenges as, as you well know given that's what you what you do um, in terms of transporting coin all over the place and exchanging it I think people underestimate not just the complication of, of moving what can be a you know aggregated up a very heavy product but it's also expensive right it's an expensive thing to transport you said you know your your own operations it's very manual and it's just a it's a challenge the pandemic has definitely stressed that in all aspects of coin distribution. And I, I can only imagine when you throw in the different countries and repatriating coin and everything, it just magnifies the problem tenfold. It has to. Oh, yeah. Without any question at all. Scott, I think you, you, we mentioned briefly at the beginning, you're going to be in Amsterdam with Sean. Right, Sean, you're going to Amsterdam as well, correct? Yep, we'll be there. Scott, are you talking about the same thing? More texture? Just Is, is, this, a, is this kind of a preview to what folks can expect in Amsterdam? Well, to a certain extent, less about me and actually more about how I think the cash industry in general could look at this as an opportunity to help with circulation. Having seen what happened in the U.S. with coin, having seen the U.K., it sounds like they were on the verge of of the same problem. This is something that, that nobody in the industry ever looks at their money outside of their own backyard. Yes, the U.S. Mint is unlike every other organization out there that makes coin in that they are distributing it to other countries that are actually using that coin. But there really is a massive amount of U.S. coin in countries that can't be used. It really does highlight the positive impact that we could have if we all understood that, you know, and nobody can put a number on it, (laughs) least of all me, but... um, if we, if we really grasp the fact that there is massive amounts of our coin, domestic coin, that has traveled, you know, and I look at, you know, the, the Canada-U.S. situation, it's, a, it's similar and different. In Canada, of course, we can use the U.S. coin, 
but we only accept it at face value. So, and when you look at the exchange rate right now, that's a lot of money that people are potentially leaving on the table by not repatriating the U.S. coin. And the reverse, Canadian coin is worthless in the U.S. How much of it is there, though? I look at it from the perspective of if we get it out of the U.S., then you know we get it back to Canada and it can be put to good use. Having foreign coin in another country or having our coin in another country, it's polluting the cash ecosystem. I mean, our banking system, yeah, we're okay with the, the U.S. coin being mixed in. Everybody said it's okay, no problem. We, we accept it at face value. That's great. But for every Canadian quarter that's in a U.S. role, that's a loss. If we could combine all those things together and work under the, the guise of helping charity, cleaning up the cash ecosystem, possibly you know, saving having to mint a few coins, it, it would definitely help cash circulation, coin circulation everywhere. I'm not going to be in Amsterdam. I'm actually at a different conference that week, but uh, I'm looking forward to getting to see the replay and, and we may even be able to put some of it here on it. I just to give everybody kind of a, a context. So next week, uh, Sean and I are at SCTA and we'll be taping a live podcast as well as speaking about central bank digital currencies and digital currencies in general. And then I think the week after, and you guys can tell me the dates because I'm, I travel every week, so everything molds together at this point for me, literally. You guys are in Amsterdam. Is it the coin conference, Sean? Yeah, the coin conference. And, that's indeed what it is. And I would guess, Sean, that we'll probably be doing a live taping from the coin conference, right? Because that's what we do. Uh, I don't see why we couldn't. Yeah, we haven't yeah. we haven't uh, planned to set it up, but we can definitely make it happen for sure. Well, one of the benefits uh, of COVID is that you can virtually do anything virtual, right? We managed to do live podcasts from all over the world, literally. Breaking news, like always, we'll be live from Amsterdam as well as we'll be live from Chicago next week, the week after Amsterdam. Yeah, we're global. We're, we're all over the place. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. I really think we'll have you back on after Amsterdam because we'd love to know what the banter is in Amsterdam and what people say. Sean, any closing words for, for the listeners? No, I would just say there's, uh, as we talked about, there's a lot going on all the way from coin to currency to digital currency. Next week, not only am I in Chicago for SCTA, the first part of the week for a Fed payments symposium, talking all about real time and some CBDC stuff there as well. So it's a, a busy payments of all form week. And then the week after that, as we said, coin conference. And then the week after that, I'm still in Amsterdam at Cyboss, which is a huge, huge payments, global payments event going on. So yeah, all forms of payments like we do it here at the Cash News. And it was fascinating. I mean, I think it was a great discussion with Scott. So thanks for being on. It's always good to hear what's happening, especially with coin. Um, a lot of people don't necessarily give it the thought um, that it really does deserve and it should be talked about when you can't make change um it's a problem you know when you're particularly in the charity space i don't think anybody really gives it that much thought so it's good to bring a shed a light on it and, and chat about it scott thank you just to give the, the listeners not that you really will also let's see what's coming up so i'll actually be at two conferences next week as well although sean and i are not together in both uh, that would be not a good idea for us to do two conferences together in one week. So I think the next time we're together is in San Diego, right, Sean? So November, that, that's coming up fast. Looking forward to that. Yes, very remiss. Thank you, Tom, for not mentioning San Diego, which is 
for me, my, my bread and butter. So I don't want to miss that. So middle of November, November 14th to 17th, the America's Cash Cycle Seminar, great agenda coming together, 40 plus speakers. The last one of our Cash Cycle Seminars this year, we did one in Manila, one in Turkey uh, earlier this year with over 300 delegates. Um, so we're looking forward to wrapping it up in San Diego uh, this November. Yeah, super excited to be there. Uh, the, it's going to be We'll probably have multiple live tapings. That's what we do when we're together at con that conference. So we'll probably do every day as a recap at the end of the night. The content looks fantastic. I, I know people are going to be there. So I'm looking forward to that. And with that, Scott, thank you again for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, I appreciate it. And it's, it's been good to see both of you. It has been too long. And uh, Sean, I'll see you in a couple of weeks in person. Wow. Yeah, sounds great. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll be here uh for the next couple of weeks uh, out and about live uh, all over the world. If you're not already subscribed to us, please subscribe, like, and, and give us a review. It really helps get the word out. And if you're interested in joining us as a guest, reach out to Sean or myself. We're not hard to find. Uh, we'd love to have you on. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Cash News Podcast. We hope you found this episode insightful. Don't forget to like and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter, and be sure to visit us at thecashnews.com to stay up to date with the latest on the world of cash. Thanks again for listening to the Cash News Podcast.